0: Welcome to the Assembly of Yahweh Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you're here. For more information, you can visit hallelujah.org or download the AOI app on Apple or Google Play. I pray that you would listen this morning a message I've entitled, Freedom and Forgiveness. Freedom and Forgiveness, Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 21, Matthew 18, 21. And Peter came to him and said, Master, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times? And Yahshua said to him, I do not say to you up to seven, but up to 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment would be made. And the servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I'll pay you all. And then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, and he released him, and he forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and he laid hands on him, and he took him by the throat, saying, "'Pay me what you owe.' And so his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, "'Have patience with me, and I'll pay you all.' And he would not, but he went and he threw him into prison until he should pay the debt." And so, when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved, and they came and told their master all that had been done. And then the master, after he had called him, said to him, "You wicked servant! I forgave you all of that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you?" And his master was angry, and he delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. And so also my heavenly Father will do to each of you if you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Our heavenly Father, we thank you today for this time that we have. We thank you, Father, for your word and for this Sabbath day that you've given. And I pray in these brief moments that you might speak to our hearts today. And we love you and we thank you for all you do in Yeshua's name. Hallelujah. Freedom and forgiveness. Yeshua was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And 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 he said that you should love Yahweh your Elohim with all your heart and soul and strength. And then he said, and like unto this, that you'd love your neighbor as yourself. Two relationships that we have to have and also two relationships that we have to maintain. And healthy relationships take work and they take sacrifice and You know, there's many stumbling blocks, I guess, if that's what you want to call them, to healthy relationships, whether this is our relationship with our Heavenly Father or relationship with others as well, many things that stand in the way of what should be a healthy relationship. And, you know, sometimes in terms of our relationships with one another, you know, wrongdoings and lies and unfaithfulness and deceit and abuse and all of those things happen in our relationships and there's a reason why they happen, and they happen because we're not perfect people. And sometimes, try as we might, uh, we find or so, we find sometimes that we fail in our relationships. There's never been a perfect relationship. The only perfect marriage is somebody else's that you see from the outside, and the only perfect kids are somebody else's that you don't live with, and and and. There's no perfect assembly, and I can tell you why that is. It's because it's full of people, people that do bad things and people that make mistakes. And I believe with all my heart that one of the biggest hindrances to kingdom work in the assembly is unforgiveness among the brethren. I certainly know. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, that one of the biggest hindrances to our and our families is and in our marriages is unforgiveness. It, it is so important. It, it is crucial to us as believers. You know some things that stand in the way of that. As I think this morning, you know, anger is one of those things that stands in the way of forgiveness where we really, you know, get being out of shape sometimes at the things that people do, and we want revenge, you know. We want them to see what's... What, we want them to get what's coming to them. We want to get even with them. Sometimes pride stands in the way of forgiveness. Uh, certainly remembrance stands in the way of forgiveness. All of these things that stand in our way of forgiving people. And let me say this to you about forgiveness. Forgiving someone does not mean that there's not consequences to bad behavior. It doesn't mean that there's not consequences. Forgiveness doesn't necessarily even mean that there's an an absence of anger. That's not what forgiveness is. Someone quoted, I don't know who to, that I can give credit to this for, but I heard some years ago and I wrote it in the back of one of my Bibles and it said that the world's worst prison is the prison of an unforgiving heart. Prison of an unforgiving heart. And you might say, well, how important is it, preacher? Preacher. You know, I mean, I'm dealing with this and I'm handling this. Well, I'll tell you how important it is. Turn backwards to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, <clears throat> verse 23. Yeshua speaking, and he said, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Let me put that in context for you today. It's Sabbath day in Cisco, Texas. And you're cleaned up and polished up and looking good, and you show up, and you're in the middle of worship bringing your gift, okay? That's an act of worship. And somewhere in the midst of that act of worship, Yahweh puts someone on your heart or someone on your mind that has an issue with you or that you have an issue with. You know, this is a relationship that's severed, that's not reconciled. Yahshua said the most important thing for you to do at that time is for you to go make your relationship right with your brother. Even before you worship. And it's the only time that I know of in the entire context of the Bible where something is more important than your worship. And if you know of another place, then tell me. Not in the open, you know. Don't just holler it out, you know. But I don't know of another place in the Bible. So that tells me how important it is that we that we make sure that our relationships are reconciled. So how do we do that? And if there is indeed freedom and forgiveness. And how do we do it or what do you do today? The first thing, and this is important and don't miss this. The first thing is you can't keep score. Don't keep score. Peter, there comes to Yeshua and and I'd love to see his face when he makes this statement. When he says, Master, how many times shall I forgive my brother's sin against me. Um, up to seven times, he said. Boy, I bet he felt pretty good about that number, you know. Up to seven times. I imagine that he really thought he was going the extra mile. How many times is this rascal gonna do this to me and I'm gonna put up with it? How many times is he gonna do this to me and we might say today, and I'm not going to punch him in the throat. How many times? You know, one time, two times, three times, six times, seven times. And that seemed like a great number. Seven. Seven sounds good. Throw it out there, he says. But you see, here's what Peter was doing. And this is what we do. He was keeping score, wasn't he? How many times? Mark it off. Check number one. Check number two. Check number three. Keeping score on all these wrongs that his brother had against him, and of course we know what Yeshua said. He said, I don't say up to seven times, but 70 times seven, he says. That's not meant to be a mathematical equation, by the way. 490 times is not the limit. What Yeshua is saying is, listen, the number is infinite, and he's reminding him how important it is not to keep score. Consider for just a moment the 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 grace of Yahweh, and it's never exhausted. And I'm glad that it is. And because it's not ours, should not be either. Does that make sense? Ours shouldn't be either. You know, if thought, how many times can we fail Him? If 490 is the limit, then I'm way over the limit this morning. Okay, I'm glad that His grace is never exhausted and ours should be as well. I'm glad that Yahweh doesn't keep score and you should be as well. Turn backwards, keep your place in Matthew, turn to Psalm 103 and we've already read part of this in our Bible study this morning. And we're talking about Yahweh's grace not being exhausted and not keeping score with us. And 103 verse 8, Yahweh is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in mercy. And he will not always strive with us nor really keep his anger forever. And he has not dealt with us according to our sins nor punished us according to our iniquities. That's the spot in the reading where somebody should say Hallelujah. He's not dealt with us according to our sins nor punished us according to our iniquities. He's not fair, and I'm glad that he's not. If he was, we'd get just exactly what we deserve. But what he gives us instead is grace and mercy, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. As far as the heavens are above the earth and as far as the east is from the west, that's a long ways, that's an infinite number. So Yahweh's not keeping score and we should be very careful not to keep score as well. And listen, this is what happens and I know that it is. What happens sometimes in our relationships, maybe even in our marriages, there's something, whatever it is, that you work through as a couple. And by the way, it may take some time. I'm not saying any of this is instantaneous, but you work through it and you get past it and you move on. And somewhere down the line, a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, five years, ten years from now, something happens. And one of you is very likely to do say something like this, would you remember that time when you did this? You see, you've said with your mouth that you're over it, but something, you're holding on to that in your life and, and what you're doing is you're keeping score and you take the option to drag that out every time you get an opportunity to. And listen, I'm telling you, that's wrong. It's wrong. You can't keep score. In our relationships, not if there's going to be any forgiveness. Be careful not to keep score. Try to one-up each other. Okay? Freedom and forgiveness don't keep score. The second thing that I'll tell you is this. I want to remind you this morning, as I often get an opportunity to do, I want to remind you that you and I are and will be held accountable to Yahweh one day for the things that we do. There's a day of accounting coming. Look at that verse 23. It reminds us there. Yahshua, after having said up to 70 times 7, he said, Therefore, because of this, therefore, he said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. I want to uh, remind you today that there is coming a day of a settling of accounts where the things that we do and the things that we say will be brought to light. Uh, There is a righteous and a perfect judge one day that we'll stand before, that we're going to have to make account of on behalf of our actions, on behalf of what we did and how we treated people and all these things. We are going to be accountable one day. A settling of accounts, you can read about that and find it in several places in the Bible. I want to share just a couple of those with you. Of course, the most obvious would be Revelation chapter 20. I'm not going to read that because you've heard it a hundred times. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Messiah, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he's done, whether good or bad. So there is for us a day of settling of accounts. And by the way, Yahweh's judgment on that day is going to be absolutely perfect. Tell you what I think of when I consider that uh, I was raised by my grandparents, and my grandparents came up during the Depression, and they were just tough as nails farmers. And my grandmother, in particular, she um I'm trying to say this nicely, she was old school and she really believed that a child was to be seen and not be heard, if you know what I mean. Spare the rod and spoil the child, she's quoted that to me many times. And I can't tell you how many whippings she's gave me over the years. There was a few of those, by the way, That I didn't deserve. One in particular, I I can't think of but one, but one in particular I really and truly didn't deserve, and I could spend some time thinking about that and considering that, but this is what I know beyond any shadow of a doubt. I know that in the long run I came out way ahead, and I'll tell you why, because if she had known all the stuff I did do, (laughs) you know, then it would have been another story. Um, I'm not going to stand in judgment before my grandma, who only knows what she knows that I did. And you're not. We're going to stand in judgment in front of our Heavenly Father, who knows not only everything that we've done, whether in public or whether in secret, not only what we've done, but the words we've spoke, and even the motives of our heart on that day. And on that day, we're going to be judged in a perfect way. On that day, we're going to get exactly what we deserve. And, And so I say all that to say to you that these simple truths that we learn in the Bible, these are not just stories that I tell you. Or that someone else tells you. These are things that must be applied to your heart because if you if it's simple enough for you to understand it, then you will be judged on it one day. We're, we're going to be accountable, be a settling of accounts. Okay? Freedom and forgiveness. Consider this morning Yahweh's forgiveness. Consider Yahweh's forgiveness. This king wanted to settle accounts with his servants in verse 24. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he'd be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and that payment would be made. And the servant fell down before him saying, Master, have patience and I'll pay you all. The master of that servant was moved with compassion, and he released him, and he forgave him his debt. Boy, there's a ton of theology built into four verses right there, and I don't want you to miss it. A ton of theology built into four verses. This is a picture of grace. And, And it's a picture, first of all, of our debt. Of our debt if you'd remember you in the model prayer talked about sin as a debt do you remember that and forgive us our debt and it really truly is it's a debt that we've piled up it's a debt that we can't pay here this amount of money in verse 24 ten thousand talents, This was a huge fortune of money. A huge fortune. This would have been millions of days wages. I mean, there is absolutely, positively no way whatsoever that this man could have paid this. And he thought he could. Just give me time, he begged, and he's gonna pay it all. He thought he could, but there was no way that he was going to be able to pay that debt. And so I say to you this morning, we owe just as big a debt to our Heavenly Father. It's not a debt of money, it's a debt of sin that we've piled up in our life that you and I can't pay no matter how bad we want to. My Bible says that all have sinned. That means you and that means me and that means the elders of this assembly and that means your saintly mother and grandmother and any person that you've ever known. All of us has piled up a debt that we can't pay. That debt, by the way, had a sentence. Verse 25, because he wasn't able to pay, his master commanded that he'd be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had payment would be made. That would have been the standard sentence at the time if you owed money and you couldn't pay it. then they'd throw you in jail, not just you, but your whole family. And they'd take all that you had and they'd throw you in jail until you could pay the debt. Often thought, what a ridiculous sentence, because there's no way that you can pay the debt if you're in jail. That's the sentence of this debt that we owe. My Bible says that the wages of my sin is what? Death. It's a harsh sentence. The wages of my sin. And I love the way that that's worded because I can see that so clearly with my eyes. The wages. If you work... On Friday, it's payday, and on Friday, you get your wages, don't you? You get what's due to you based on your performance. You get what's due to you based on your performance. And this is what I know. I know that what's due to me and what's due to you based on our performance, if indeed it's true that we've piled up this Dead of sin. What's due to us is death. The wages of our sin is death. That's the sentence. A death sentence is one that's hard to get out of. But there's something that just here in this story that comes out at this very appropriate time, at this time where it seems uh, that there's no hope And what we see is grace. Look at verse 26. The servant fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience, and I'll pay you. And the master of that servant was moved with compassion, and he released him, and he forgave him the debt. Yahweh's grace shows up at just the right time. Because while the wages of sin is death, the gift of Yahweh is eternal life. I'm glad that that verse doesn't end with the wages of sin is death. Because as sure as that is true, it's also true that Yahweh wishes to give us grace. And he wishes to give us something that we don't deserve, and something that we can't afford, and something that no matter how hard we try, we can achieve. He wants to give us a gift—a gift, a the gift, a gift of eternal life. It's what Yahweh wishes to give, and so all of those things are so evident to me in that passage of scripture: our debt and our sentence, and Yahweh's grace, and and then. In light of all of those things, and in light of this uh, tremendous debt that Yahweh's forgiven us for, this is what I want to say to you this morning. I want to say that nothing should be beyond our own scope of forgiveness. Does that make sense? If Yahweh's grace is that big in our life, and He's forgiven us of that debt, then There's nothing that should be be beyond our scope of forgiveness. Just a couple of passages I'll share with you Ephesians 4 and 32. By the way, there are some principles and, and, and applications in the Bible that are very difficult to understand. There's plenty of things within this volume here that I don't understand, but there are very many things, plenty of things that are so plain and simple that anybody can understand. And this is one of those things. Ephesians 4 and 32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Yahweh and Messiah forgave you. That's not hard to understand, is it? It's not difficult. No great theological degree needed for us to understand exactly what that says. Forgiving one another, even as Yahweh and Messiah forgave you. And then Colossians 3, 13. And this again, well, one is not very difficult Says we're to be bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Messiah forgave you, you also must do. That doesn't say should do, might do, can do. Does it? Mine says you must do. So a lot of all that Yahweh's forgiven us for, there's nothing that should be beyond our scope of forgiveness. This is what I've learned, and I've learned that for me or for you to fail to forgive someone who has offended us in some way, for us to fail to forgive someone who's offended us in some way is really and truly to imply that you or I have a higher standard of forgiveness than Yahweh does. Because whatever it is that they've done to you or done to me that's hurt us so bad that that you and I can't forgive, Yahweh potentially already has forgiven them for. And so it's so important for us to be forgiven to one another. Freedom and forgiveness. Consider your obligation to extend forgiveness to one another, verse 28, back to Matthew chapter 18. Having just been forgiven of this huge debt that was unpayable. Verse 28 says that servant went out, walked right straight out of this encounter. He went out and he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. This is a small amount of money. I mean, not pennies, but a couple weeks' wages found this this man who owed him a 100 denarii and he laid hands on him and he took him by the throat. You see how violent this is? And he said, Pay me what you owe. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him. Doesn't this look familiar? Fell down at his feet and begged him saying, Have patience with me and I'll pay you all. Doesn't that sound familiar? What had just been said? And But verse 30 says, and he would not. But he went and he threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. And his fellow servants saw what had been done and they were grieved and they came and told their master all that had been done. And then the master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? This servant demanded payment, and he demanded punishment even after he had received such grace. And I think, by the way, this is where a lot of people are today. I think many believers, probably in this very, in this exact spot, they've received such grace from Yahweh, and yet they're harboring in their hearts some ill feelings. Something that they refuse to forgive someone else for, some minuscule thing. I mean, compared, comparatively speaking, hanging on to some hurt because we think somebody should have to pay. Hurt can turn to hate, and that's kind of where, you know, these issues get deadly. And this is what I know. Beyond any shadow of a doubt, I know this because I've lived here, and I'll tell you a story here in a minute. I've lived here, and it was a place I didn't like. It was a place I didn't enjoy, but for some years, many years in my life, I had these feelings of unforgiveness against You know, people in my family, and particularly in different things. And this is what I know and what I'll tell you this morning. I know that that unforgiveness that we carry around in our heart, when we forget, when we fail to forgive other people that we're in relationships with, we're not really hurting them. Does that really hurt them? I'll tell you who it hurts it hurts us. It hurts us, and if you don't believe it, you think about this for just a minute. You got some issue that you're harboring in your heart, some unforgiveness that you can't seem to let go of against somebody. You know that you carry that person around with you everywhere you go. You go to Walmart, you carry him around. You go to Brookshire's, you carry him around. You come here, you carry him around. If you don't believe it, I know it's true. Because I know that if you have unresolved issues with people and you're in a store and you see that person in the bread aisle, which aisle are you not gonna go down? Bread aisle, not just bread by the way. You can see them in the frozen foods. Which aisle you're not gonna go down, the frozen foods? you liable to ride around and look and see if you see their car before you even park and go in. I, hey, I'm telling the truth. You carry that person with you everywhere you go, like a bag. They tied to you like a rope and you drag them with you everywhere that you go. It's dangerous. And it's not only dangerous, it's sinful. You believe it? It's sinful. For you to know to do the right thing and not to do it, my Bible says that's sin. All right. And we're carrying that person. And, and and by the way, when I said it's not hurting them, it's not hurting them. You're the one that it's hurting. They probably don't even know, they probably ain't put no more thought into that than nothing. But you got all this build up inside of you. And I'm just going to tell you an easy way to get rid of it. Easy. Cut the rope. Cut the rope. You need to be able to walk away from that, whatever it is. And the only way that you're going to do it is to forgive that person. I already told you earlier, forgiveness don't mean that there's not going to be some anger. It don't mean that you're not going to be mad. You might indeed be mad. It don't mean that you're not going to remember, I wish we could forgive and forget. Wouldn't that be great? Oh, I wish that was my spiritual gift. But it's not. We can indeed forgive. Forgetting is the hard part. But in remembering that, you don't have to keep score and say, "Boy, I remember when you hurt me so bad. Cut the rope and walk away from whatever that is. You know, offer forgiveness to that person. There's much more freedom in forgiveness than there is in hate. Because when we hate someone, I said we just continue to be shackled to them. I'll tell you a story. I said I'd tell you a story. I have an older brother is two years older than me and for, for much of our life and certainly for the biggest part of our adult life, we just haven't had a real good relationship. And <clears throat> I really and truly I don't know what it all kind of goes back to in the beginning but like in most situations like this, I thought I was right and he thought he was right. And boy, we build up these walls and for about 10 years or so, you know, we lived 10 minutes apart and he didn't come to my house and I didn't go to his house. And, you know, I'd see him on holidays at a cookout a couple times and it was always so awkward. You know, it was like... Having a conversation with somebody that you just met. Hey, buddy, shake your hand. You know, hey, pal. You know, what's, you know, been fishing lately? You know, that was usually the extent of our conversations. And boy, one day I just said, I'm not going to live like this anymore. Life's too short, and it is. Listen, life is too short. Live like that, and I said, I'm just not going to do it anymore. And and, and um, called him up, and said, "I want you to meet me at such and such restaurant. We're going we're going to hammer this out, whatever it is." And and you know that was one of the most beneficial conversations I've ever had with anybody. And 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 you know I walked away from that forgiving him. And I'd love to say to you today that that it doesn't hurt me now to think about that. And I you know, and it doesn't hurt me because, you know, I haven't heard from him. He hasn't called me once since I've been in Texas. I see him when we go home, and again, it's awkward. Hey, buddy, shake your hand, been fishing lately. That's kind of the extent of it. I'd love to tell you that there's not some hurt. There is. But this is what I can tell you for sure. I can tell you that I don't drag that around with me everywhere I go. I've moved on. I still remember and I still hurt and I still get mad sometimes. But I'm past that. I've moved beyond that. Because I realize that whatever it is that I think you know, he may have done to me that is such a minuscule, tiny thing that I'm forgiving him for in comparison to what Yahweh's forgiven me for. Does that make any sense to anybody but me, boy? I just had to move on, and I and I and I have, and I did, and that's what that we need to do. Um. Clara Barton was founder of American Red Cross and she was interviewed one time about uh, some period in her career in Red Cross and some turmoil that they had been and some contention, you know, and somebody had said something bad about her, about her leadership or whatever and they asked her very pointedly and specifically about that. And, and this is what she said, it's one of the smartest things that I've ever heard anybody say. She said, I distinctly remember forgetting that. (laughs) I distinctly remember forgetting that. And sometimes that's what we need to do. Sometimes that's what we need to do and move on. Move on. Freedom and forgiveness. Consider the alternative, by the way. And again, I said there's many things in the Bible that may be hard to understand, vague perhaps, This is not one. Consider the alternative. Verse 35. Yeshua did say some difficult things and some hard to understand things. And he also said some very simple things. And this is as simple as anything that he ever said. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. So who's really hurt when we refuse to forgive? We are. We are. Don't put off forgiveness. This is not one of those things that you put off to do until tomorrow. You know, to be believers means that we need to be willing to excuse or to forgive the inexcusable things because you're always forgiven those in us. And don't put it off until it's too late. Two, I'll say this in closing. There's two old men. They had kind of been um, like two old grumpy old men, neighbors for a lot of years, you know, and they were, you know, just always just at each other's throat. Boy, they just hated each other and fussed at each other and blah, 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 and... and They both ended up in a nursing home in their old age, and they both ended up in a bed beside one another. And after 50 plus years of ranting and raving and cussing and fussing one another, one of them was getting down to his last days of life, and the doctors called the family in, and they would visited with him and all that, and he knew his time was pretty short. And so there one night, it was quiet, and it was just him and the fellow in the bed beside him. This one that they had been at each other's stroke for fifty plus years, and no an guy on his de- deathbed reaches over there and he shakes the guy awake, and he holds his hand for just a minute, and he said, "I just want you to know, you know, for all these years that we've been." Fussing and fighting, he said, "I forgive you for all that." And an old guy and the other boy just broke out in tears, couldn't believe it. Said, "Oh, I'm so glad I forgive you too. I'm so glad we had this conversation." And the first guy, when the other guy kind of got dried up, cleaned up a little bit, he said, "I just want, well, I just want you to know this one thing." He said, "If I get better, this don't count." <laughs> I get better, this don't count. Don't wait. Listen, don't wait until it's too late to offer the forgiveness that you need to offer. Cut the chain. Cut the chain. Yahweh bless you.